You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Greg, I've got a big movie pitch for you based on the classic arcade game Rampage. We take Dwayne The Rock Johnson, we put him on the shoulder of a giant monster, they're climbing up a tall, burning building, fighting other monsters, military helicopters overhead, it's going to be explosive, it's going to be a summer blockbuster, what do you think? Well, it sounds expensive, I mean, we could either keep the monsters or keep the big, tall, burning building. All right, so we have Dwayne The Rock Johnson climbing a tall, burning building. What do you think? No, I didn't think you were going to lose the monsters. I have some notes. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the podcast where we inspect the integrity of your movie's script and plot, and you set us up as patsies for insurance fraud. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are talking about the 2018 flick, Skyscraper, starring Dwayne Johnson. Among others. Among others, yeah. We'll, we'll get to the, the nitty gritty, <laughs> the directors and the, the second grips later here. Um, yeah, this is a, a classic rock uh, action movie. Before we get to uh, chatting about not Rampage, mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to do a have a quick programming note that uh, this is going to be our final episode of the year. Work is crazy busy for me. I, I'm sure as many people can appreciate in the, in the COVID times. Often we are all taking on extra duties um, at our places of business, and I am no different. And uh, coming into the fall season, I'm just not going to be able to do any podcasting uh, until sometime next year. So we will we will miss you all, and uh, uh, you know we we hope that uh, everyone stays safe over the holiday seasons. And uh, yeah, but we <laughs> we got to take a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we usually take a break over the holidays. Um, this is just a slightly earlier than normal break. So we should have yeah. all those weekly lockdown podcasts. We should have just banked them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we always talk a, a mid- game about banking episodes and then we never really do it. <laughs> no, because we're pretty diligent. We get together every other week and we watch great films and also skyscraper. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, actually this was fun. I enjoy, I enjoyed this. It got me thinking though about like, um, like what's what's the tallest building uh, either of you have ever been on, or any like notable tall buildings? I don't know that I've ever been in a notably tall building. Like I've been in office towers. I'm I'm sure I've been high up in office towers, but I've never been in like the Empire State Building or uh, up the CN Tower in Toronto or anything. Uh, I've so, been yeah. at the tippy top of Thirty Rock. I I think that's that may be the most notable one. I was in the I was at the top of the. Um, Oh God, I don't remember the name of it. There's a there's a tower in Tokyo um, that sort of looks CN Tower ish. I was also in the CN Tower. So did, guess, did you do I the glass the glass floor in the CN Tower? I did. Yes, I did. It's great. I've, That's when the, the this flick reminded me of the glass floor in the CN Tower because they've oh uh, for get, sure because the, the hologram sequence. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've, I've been in famous buildings, but not famously tall buildings. Yeah, I uh, I actually have been on the World Trade Center. Um, Oh no! 
I was I was on the World Trade Center in May of two thousand one. Oh no! So yeah, <laughs> on the on the on on the eve of the Amer- Americans' potential destruction, you bring that up. This seems inappropriate. <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't know. It's a place that existed. I think it's a neat. I don't know. There's a, it's like there's a <laughs> Simpsons episode about it. I don't know what you want from me. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's wild. It was. I've also been on the Empire State Building. We did Empire State Building at night, and then Trade Center during the day. So yeah, it's uh, it's wild. I'd say if you get a chance, you know, huck off. I think you'd love it, but, you know. <laughs> you know, if you get the chance to be at the top of the World Trade Center. Actually, what I can tell you, don't bother going up the um, uh, Statue of Liberty. So if, you sure, ever, the, yeah. if you're ever in New York and you want to see the Statue of Liberty, the best way is you just take the Staten Island Ferry around and you just, like, look at it and be like, look, yep, there it is. To go up it, it's not a, actually, like, it's tall for a statue, but it's not tall for a building. Um, and the windows to like look out are in her crown. And so the line to get up to look out what is essentially like, you know, a window the size of like a TV screen, um, is like two hours and then it's like a 10 minute walk down. So don't recommend, uh, yeah. Statue when I was in New York, the Statue of Liberty was my least favorite thing that I did. Like, cause it's such a long wait to get through security just to get on the dang boat to get out to the island. Yeah. And yeah, once you get there, you're right. Like it's not, it's tall for a statue, but really, I don't know. The, there's so many cool things in New York that it just kind of feels underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this movie set in, to- uh, in uh, Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just about <laughs> Not New York at all. We, we, I, I, you'd, you'd get me on that if we hadn't been talking about his trip to Tokyo a second ago. Yeah. So. No, that's fair. But yeah, this, uh, this movie's about a tall building. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm in a really giggly mood. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not about a tall building. It takes place at a tall building. I'd say a the plot, tall building is the second plot character. Happens. <laughs> a plot happens in a tall building. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at least in, in half of it. I kind of like, I almost like wish that we got to actually see, like, because it talks about, like, the, there's a brief moment where it talks about all, like, the, the cool parts of the building or whatever like and, and we only really get to see this cool forest thing and then it doesn't really yeah i don't know so for some reason you said you just said it was like the the, the skyscraper was a character in the movie i don't know like it's if it was a character in the movie it wasn't developed enough yeah yeah no i was um, i was mostly joking people always joke like new york's the fifth <laughs> character like yeah, yeah, um, yeah no i um i agree i feel like we should have had an opportunity to see some of the sites of the building before it was all destroyed like we should have been able to spend some time in that park we should have had an opportunity to spend a little more time like up at the top i don't know i i agree on that completely actually i even thought they were setting it up as like an almost like here's our act one set piece here's our act two set piece you're like Act one, forest. Act two, wind turbines. Act three, uh, uh, ball. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they sort of executed sort on of. that, but not, yeah, but not uh, in to a really successful degree. Um, directed by an individual with my new favorite name in show business, Rawson Marshall Thurber. That's just fun to say. Rawson Marshall Thurber, director of Dodgeball and Central Intelligence. I think he uh, did a good job. He wrote it too, apparently. So, yeah, it's, it's not it's not terrible. Yeah, I'm surprised at 48 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, it wasn't that bad. Oh, really? Usually... Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah this, I don't know. I mean, this is a pretty decent action movie. I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's maybe 
I mean, I guess for for what it offers in terms of like uh, spectacle, maybe it under delivers a little bit. That's a, I mean, that's probably maybe its greatest crime, I suppose. But other than that, I'm, I enjoyed myself. Does it under deliver though? Because it's definitely like fast paced. Like there's not a lot of like <sighs> like. <laughs> taking a breath yeah i don't know i just I, there's this i think in just talking about how um the like the the building itself didn't seem like it got enough play you know i i, I think that's kind of where it it sort of falters and I, i'm not sure i don't know that like the the final set piece i don't think was really all that fun to me and I, and it was an odd choice for a movie that's all about the absolute tallest building on earth Yes, I have. End of I it have to be taking place in a hologram room. Yeah, in my a, biggest essentially a biggest fancy note. mirrors. Yeah, and to be fair, the moment that uh, the moment that Zhao showed him the uh, hologram room, I was like, "Oh, this is the last boss arena." Like that was literally. I said that. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was a lot of that. Same with when she's like, "Golly, geez, my phone won't." I'm having some trouble with my phone, and then he's like, "You got to turn it off and on again." I'm like, "Oh, I guess." just figured out how this movie ends like yeah yeah i mean there's there's lots of like you got to give this movie credit for doing its setups and payoffs it's just like you know uh they're pretty on the nose and and you can see them from a mile away uh which mm-hmm. may uh, or may not affect your enjoyment of them yeah it's it hits a lot of the uh a lot of the disaster movie slash action movie cliches and it like hits them dead dead square like it doesn't even graze them it's it's dead on yeah though it's it's been about a year of me watching these uh be, being part of this podcast and I'm, i i do very much uh enjoy the experience especially making the podcast with you guys but we definitely watch a lot of movies i would never watch on my own accord and <laughs> this being one of them and so now i'm at the point where i'm like you know what this is full of cliches it's full of tr- you know well-trotted material uh but it's all competently done. And just the simple fact that like there are setups that are paid off, even if they're like telegraphed for days, I'm just like, Ali, you know, good, good job. You (laughs) say what you will about a cliche, but a cliche is a cliche for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Because it's a, it's a plot point that we recognize and that we keep going back to because it can be executed on. Well, just because something's cliche doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that formula works really well for action movies in general is like using a bunch of clichés and and tropes because it, it you know you, you keep your the plot beats you know pretty simple so that you can have lots of space to hang your action set pieces off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like a shorthand for the audience. You kind of mm-hmm. you can fill in the blanks easily and so you the the writer and the director and the actors can spend less time dwelling on on the nuance and can get to the big explodey bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's a- I think it's why um, you know most villains in action movies are just like big mustache twirlers who are evil for evil's sake. It's just because that you know it, it, you don't need anything more than that. That's all you really need to know. And and I want to get to the kinking and the punching and the explosions. Yeah, I don't want to like this guy. I want someone to punch him. Yeah, I want so- I want someone that I can clearly hate and I can identify easily as the villain. And that doesn't mean that like good action movies don't have you know a, a better developed uh, villain, but it isn't necessarily uh, a requirement. 
Yeah, I guess you're reusing the term I want, and it's like, I don't know if that's what I want from a movie, but like, I'll definitely, <laughs> at this point, I'll take it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've seen so many just completely incompetent films, and I'm like, look, your bad guy's bad, your action's exciting, pass from, pass from Liam. Well, it just shows how egregious it is when when an action movie doesn't do it properly and you find yourself yeah. bored through the action because you don't care about anything that's happening. I think I'm still mad about Dungeons and Dragons, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that one's been sitting with you for a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's hear from uh, this uh, cliched and uh, really predictable uh, trailer that is going to set it up perfectly so you know what you're getting. Mr. Sawyer. Is your family enjoying their stay? Very much so. They're shocked you gave us the entire floor. After your security assessment, what do you think of the building? With all due respect, he's a glorified security guard. Please. The Pearl is the tallest, most advanced building in the world. You've built a vertical city, but you've brought with it every single safety and security challenge that I could think of. We thought this floor was empty. So did I. Not only have you brought them all indoors, but you've trapped them 240 floors in the air. No one really knows what would happen if things go wrong. What's going on? The 96th floor is on fire. You're gonna be just fine, I promise you that. No, 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 no! Daddy! Tell me, how much do you love your family? Former FBI agent Will Sawyer is a dedicated family man. His private security firm is tasked with inspecting the safety of the Pearl, the world's latest, tallest tower. Suck it, Dubai. The owner of said tower crossed the wrong kind of people, and those people take their revenge right around the time Will gets unfettered access to the building's entire system. The Pearl is set ablaze, a coveted MacGuffin is introduced, and hot damn Will's whole family is back early from watching pandas not mate. Hired goons wind turbines, a surprisingly helpful Hong Kong police department. They all stand in the way of Will saving his family. Vertigo-inducing thrills abound as Dwayne the Will Sawyer Roxon climbs up a burning building like the monsters in that old arcade game, Rampage. Yeah, I think we're still chapped that we didn't watch Rampage either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that had that been our, our whole plan. Oopsie. Except that it was not available anywhere for streaming or rent, and neither of us wanted to buy it. So... Yeah, Here we are, my, watching Skyscraper. <laughs> my heart sunk a little bit because it, when, when I found out that like the only thing, the only way to watch it was to pay $14 to buy it, and I was like, no, thank you. I'm dedicated to our listeners, but apparently <laughs> my uh, my dedication only goes so far. Your yeah. dedication taps out at $9.99. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Look, they get us talking about a rock movie one way or another. It's us who have yeah. to sit through it. <laughs> and I mean... <laughs> Skyscraper and Rampage were both recommended to us, like, hand-in-hand. Yes. Hand. So we're, we kind of thematically went with one of them. even if By the same person, actually. Prefer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank so you that, all to, that one uh, listener is definitely satisfied, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for everyone to, uh, for uh, submitting uh, suggestions. Hopefully we'll get to your, your other suggestions at some future date. We'll finally get around to that frozen double feature that keeps getting pitched to us. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be something. 
So what uh, what would you guys say would be like your 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 hard keep? Like what's the what's the like one thing you're like this was this was dope. Don't change a thing. Um, I like the character of Will Sawyer a lot. He's mm-hmm. a very likable guy. He gets into and out of a lot of tough scrapes. Um, his actions seemed, I mean, over the top action movie action, but still like it it was consistent. The logic flowed, and yes. um, one thing I noted is. Early on in the movie, um, Rock's bro is like, you don't carry a gun anymore. And The Rock says, nope, I'm, uh, after the accident that happened in the inciting incident of this film, I have sworn never to use a gun again. And wouldn't you know it, he does not shoot a gun in this movie. Damn, I forgot about that promise. Yeah, and you probably didn't notice because he does dispatch quite a few people in this movie. But he never once shoots a gun. The only gun that could maybe kind of be blamed on him if you squint is when his bro accidentally shoots himself while they're squ- while they're scuffling with one another. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, The Rock does not pick up a gun and does not shoot a gun in this movie. And that is interesting in an action film, interesting in an action film where he has to fight a lot of dudes, and interesting in the fact that it was set up. Like, he specifically said, no, I don't touch guns anymore, and he fulfills that promise in this film. And I thought that was an interesting character choice, and I liked it. And uh, I would hard keep that. The Rock does not need to shoot a gun in this film. Yeah. Come to think of it, does he have a particularly high body count either? Not really. I don't think any, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I mean, he, he the, definitely the parachute, the parachute guy, definitely, that guy died. He, he knocks 100%. the he knocks the British guy into a fire. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, full on like shoulder checks him into a fire. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, he, and, and he I mean and he kicks the last guy off the building. Yeah, so I mean there, he definitely has at least three to four. Oh, well, he swords a guy at one point too. So he's got like four, oh yeah, he does pick up a sword. Yeah, yeah, four or five dudes that he does dispatch over the course of the movie, but. Um, Never once does he shoot them. So yeah, he, he doesn't do it with a gun, which is better somehow. <laughs> I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying it was it was an interesting choice, and it yeah. was like it would have been real easy for this movie to have him early on be like, "Nope, I don't use guns anymore. I've sworn off." And then like, "Oh, but he's been forced to the limit. And now he has to pick up a gun again and kill." Like, yeah, I been, I really that loathe been, that type of plot. I hate when when it when yeah. the the arc is alert. Uh, the main character learned to murder again like oh yeah this is so satisfying hooray yeah and i mean he he does kill some people defensively in this film to protect people he loves but he he fulfills the promise that he doesn't pick up a gun again and i appreciated that and i would hard keep that plot point Mm i um i I think I I really like the um, crane sequence. I thought that was yes um, a lot of fun, um, super tense. And I and you know I and I appreciated the diehard esque elements of this movie. the The fact that despite uh, the Rock being the hugest beefiest boy there is in cinema, is mm-hmm. not invulnerable. He gets his ass kicked quite badly, and and that uh, really you know helps ramp up the tension because you don't necessarily take it on faith that he's just going to get through it because he's so awesome or whatever, right? 
Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I always really appreciate about Die Hard is that the, the stakes are amped up really well because Bruce Willis gets the tar beat out of him. Yeah. At least in the first Die Hard movie. Sure, yeah. I think before as the series he becomes, progresses, he, he becomes, becomes a bit superhero. more of a superhero. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, where he's like Why pulling, the first ones are the better. Thing. Yeah, pulling the shrapnel out of his out of his arm. It's yeah. I actually I'm going to push back on that a little bit, but only because I thought there were a couple points in the movie where he was beat up too much for it to continue to be plausible. And that shrapnel was actually <laughs> one of those bits cuz he pulled out a piece of shrapnel as long as my friggin' foot from yeah. his arm and I was <laughs> and like okay climbed on the outside of a building. yeah and and I was like no okay you, like you could have injured him and not had it been quite so egregious movie that was that was an injury that would have prevented him from being able to continue his action um yeah it it mm. strained my credulity a little bit on occasion that just how injured he was and how he kept continuing to push forward yeah, I think the thing that that um, the diehard did maybe a little bit better is that his his injuries um, played into the plot further. Yeah, it like wasn't. If the Rock had if the Rock had that shrapnel injury, but then had trouble climbing because he couldn't use that arm properly. Yeah, like that would have been more believable to me. Yeah, um, I like that they had the the sort of everyone watching him. Uh, as both like a wanted man and then him hanging outside the building again a little a little hacky but i, I think it was a nice touch to kind of like give a give a like i don't know why it gave such emotional stakes because it really is kind of like a more of a show like look the audience gasped you should gasp too but i don't know it worked i think it worked yeah no i, I agree i, I, I kind of like that it worked for me at times um but towards the end it was getting a bad laugh out of me it just yeah, it, like it eventually it eventually just started to seem to yeah to strain my suspension of disbelief a little bit. That's fair. But yeah, I I I don't disagree, Liam, that it that yeah. it, it it more or less worked in places. Um, I also like that the way I'm like, oh man, is he going to be chasing his kids through this whole thing? And I like how like it's a little hack hacky how the kids got split up because they get split up like they get split up from Dev Campbell and then they immediately get split up from each other. Um, like within seconds, so it's like one, like the the party of three becomes two, becomes one. Um, but I do like how the mom and the son get out. Like it's like enough enough family members like change hands through the course of the movie that it's not just like one person. Like I got it, no you don't. I got it, no you don't. My only beef is that the son leaves the plot at the point where he gets out of the building. And uh, whereas Nev Campbell and the daughter don't. And I feel like he like he should have still played into it somehow toward the end. I don't know how. Like, I don't I don't have a solid fix for that. I just feel like it's a shame that they set up both of the kids and then one of the kids is so integral to the plot and his wife is so integral to the plot. But the other kid is just kind of forgotten in act three. Like he's left with the police and we see him again in the finale. As characters, do you think the kids are integral to the plot? Um, because I think they're just glorified only... MacGuffins. Like they're yeah, yeah. I think you're right, and, and that'll be part of um the things that I kind of want to tweak in the in the second. Yeah, half. we should have like, probably heard less from them. There wasn't. There wasn't. <laughs> like they didn't. Like. Yeah, I think it certainly would have upped the stakes a lot more if we spent more time with them and and got to. 
I'll learn a little bit more about them and 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 perhaps like neither of them really have personalities. It's just sort of like Kid A and, and Kid B, and the only real difference between the names. two. No, and neither do I. Like the only real difference between the two is is the is the young boy had asthma or no, yeah, he's got asthma, I think, and. I was kind of waiting for that to play a bigger role in the plot, and it never really does. Like he does cough a little bit, but it, but they made a kind of a big point of talking about it, and then he ends up being the first one to leave, and then he's safe. Like I think it's weird to introduce that kind of like obvious tension device in a movie where it's about a, a big ass fire. And and then to write him out halfway through when when I think like the kid that had asthma, whether it was the the son or the daughter, should have should have been the one to stay in the building because of the added tension to it. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. My my my, my vote might be to to make the kids even more two dimensional, but that's we might uh, disagree. With. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a bout <laughs> about that in the second half. Yeah, <laughs> we'll fight it out. Yeah. Uh, any any hard cuts? Anything that you're like just. We need to we need to see it go. Um, I'm really, frankly, surprised that they. I guess this was 2018, but the the way the the Hong Kong Police Department is presented in a very positive light. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if I have a lot of um, a lot of hard cuts. There's there was one thing that really bugged me, and I don't know if this is necessarily a cut. It, it's just more of a critique. Uh. There's a moment where the bad co- the bad guy meets up with um sorry the, what's the character uh, Chin Han who's the owner of the building mm-hmm. uh, and the guy whose whose lifelong dream I guess it was to build the world's tallest building with a giant baseball on the top of it mm-hmm. and he has this USB device that the bad guys are looking for and when they finally catch up with them. Uh, Chin Han makes a point of telling them, asking them, like, why don't you just kill me and take this? And the bad guy says, you know, I can't do that. Uh, it's later revealed that if he dies, then there's some sort of like automatic releasing of information about the bad guys to the press or something like that, that they don't want to happen. Anyway, the point is they can't just shoot him. Um, and then through a, through a quick struggle, Chin Han gets away, and immediately this Botha bad guy just starts shooting at him wildly, and it's like you cl- you just said that you can't kill him, and yet you're 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 firing at him wildly. Like it's just like if you're gonna introduce that, there's a perfect opportunity just for like him to just like have him dead in his sights and then choose not to. That would have been an excellent scene where the where the bad guy has to sort of restrain himself after earlier being seen being pretty ruthless. But no, they just yeah, irritating. There was there was also a point there where he talks about how he was going to take Chin in his own helicopter and they were all going to leave, and then the personal security dude who is dying like shoots the helicopter and destroys it and i was like oh the this is interesting because it means that the bad guy's plan has been set back but then it turns out oh no they were planning to parachute from the roof all along and i feel like it would have been more interesting if like that had put the bad guys on the back foot and for like part of act two and act three they're also trying to figure out how they're gonna like they've they've now found themselves in a position where they're trapped in the building too 
and everyone's yeah. trying to find a way out. I think that would have been an interesting tension too. Yeah, it's, inter- I feel it's like interesting it's a bit that of a like they had. Yeah, it's interesting that they had like they had a clear ride off the building, and then their plan goes awry because that um, Chen Hao's henchman kills their pilot. Yeah, like, yeah, I think and then that like, and somehow they an still had a backup plan. Yeah, like, I mean, maybe it makes sense for the you know them to have a backup plan just in case. But yeah, yeah you're 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 right. It would have been it would have created a lot more interesting tension between everybody if uh, yeah if, uh, if yeah they some were of those stuck in the building. Well, yeah, if they were hoisted by their own petard and tra- and had effectively at that point trapped themselves in the building. Yeah, I think it also would have maybe like we could have traded out one of those dangers for danger's sake scenes for like a race to the parachute room scene. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like cuz there there's a lot of scenes where people just like, "Oh no, there's there's like it's it's like just another like physical obstacle like" Yeah, because... I will say this. This movie pegs the needle early on. Like the fir- in the first 30 minutes of this movie, we hit 11 and it does not release the throttle at all to the point where it's almost exhausting at times just how much more tension they keep throwing onto the fire and there are points where it's like oh of course another thing has happened to make this even more dangerous to the point where i was laughing sometimes because it was Mm -hmm. just like oh like it wasn't already dangerous enough now this has also happened lol it was (laughs) it was it got to the it got cartoonish and goofy at times i will say that I, and the movie I, never stops to breathe, like not once. As soon yeah, as, yeah. as soon as every, as soon as the rock is betrayed, the movie goes and it doesn't stop. I don't necessarily know if I felt that that was a big detriment to the movie. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally see your point, Scott. I, I, I just, for me, I was kind of just along for the ride and it was having a That's good time. Enough. So, uh, I didn't, it didn't bother me. I think it, I, I, I think. It certainly would have it would have helped the movie out if it breathed a little bit more and if we got more um, character development out of the kids and stuff like that for sure. Um, and, and I think that's what I was kind of missing because that yeah. that gives you a little bit of a moment to catch your breath too, between like the high tension stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, Die Hard does that well. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yes. And if that's the movie you're trying to you're trying to emulate a little bit, just go for it. Just you know, copying is the sincerest form of flattery, right? Yes. I'm going to uh, copy his statement there and say yes as well. <laughs> and, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm flat- so flattered. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, go to the break and when we come back with our fixes for Skyscraper. Alberta's forests matter to all of us. That's why Alberta's forest industry works to keep them sustainable now and for future generations. By planning 200 years ahead, helping control the spread of fire and disease, and planting and nurturing two trees for every one harvested, we keep our forests standing strong. To learn more about how our forests take care of us and how we take care of them, visit loveabforests.com. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're talking about Skyscraper. Let's, let's fix this movie. Um, I, I know I, I'm going to start with my big note. I don't know if anyone else saw this, but the one setup that they feel like they set up and didn't pay off is that there's a giant ball on the top of this tower. And at no point does the ball come off the tower. <laughs> 
And then they even have this fabulous uh, uh, final battle set piece, which is this weird room of like hall of like mirrors, but it's all technology and cameras. Uh, and it does make for a pretty cool final fight scene, even if it has nothing to do, as you mentioned, Greg, with the whole tower concept. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it's a fine set piece for a final battle. But I really thought the ball was going to fall off the top of the tower, and the fact that it didn't, I feel like, is a missed opportunity. Yeah, it certainly would have made for a a wonderful disaster element to the end of the movie. I'm now going to ask a question I realized I should have looked up uh, anytime watching this movie before we recorded during the break between halves of recordings. This isn't based on a real tower, is it? No. That's what I thought. Okay, (laughs) The Pearl is a fictional tower, yeah. (laughs) That's what I thought. Just when I was like, the ball should have fallen off, everyone would be like, you want the ball to fall off the pearl? (laughs) <laughs> that beloved tower that very really exists. Like I just thought I'd double check. <laughs> no. uh, as far as I know, the Burj Khalifa is still the tallest building on the planet. Yeah, the time in this recording. Yes. Who knows about tomorrow? <laughs> but yes, I that was that was my thing. The the, the Hall of Mirrors thing. I don't know. It it. it... It it made for a cool effect at the beginning when they're like, it's like the glass floor at the CN Tower, except. It's a whole room that makes it look like you're flying. That's pretty cool. But is this weird, like, you can't see the bad guy in the gunfight and you can't find your daughter in the gunfight mechanic? It just was like, yeah, it was kind of lazy, I think. Looked cool, I, I, but lazy. As a, yeah, as a, as a room, it, I think it kind of made sense as sort of like almost like a holodeck. The things that came up, I, I kind of, I didn't understand the purpose of that. Like, what part of that is, uh, f- like, fun? I don't know. Like, like I, I don't know why they was like, I, I, the whole the whole room, this whole s- sphere room is a big TV, essentially. Uh, but also, more TVs come out of the ground. I, I just, it seemed like a bit odd. And, and clearly, it was only just to have this sort of Hall of Mirror thing at the end. But I, maybe this is getting a little too nitpicky, but I didn't like that. <laughs> No, it's the whole final climax set piece. I don't think it's n- too nitpicky to be like, we, yeah, don't need, think, we don't need this stupid, you know. The I weird thing is, like, they the, don't really play with the fact that, like, the cameras are on the outside. Like, they don't, they make a big point of, like, saying, like, oh, this can make things basically make the floor look invisible. But they don't, they only play with the Hall of Mirrors stuff and not the other things, which I How, think yeah, that's, is that's kind of where a I was going to go with this actually, is that it, it does feel like they, they went with the least interesting aspect about that room. Whereas <laughs> yeah. They could have, yeah. they could have really played with it and like, they could have had the rock and Zhao come up with like an elaborate hologram ruse in that room to mess with the bad guys, which would have been interesting and might've put them on the back foot in a really interesting way. But or, they didn't. They or, just yeah. turned it into a hall. It could have just literally been a hall of mirrors maze in a funhouse. Yeah. They could have also done a thing of, like, imagine if they were gunfighting and, and fist fighting, even with the stupid, you know, wall things up. Um, if it was, like, on the fritz or if, like, the, the system was, was running and it would, for some reason, make them all think that they were outside, like they see at the beginning of the movie. Like, how scary would that be if, like, suddenly the ground goes out from under you? It, like... And then maybe there are holes, like parts that are real and you could fall out of. Like, just, I don't know. 
Maybe, maybe now I seem a little pie in the sky, but it just it the fact that yeah, they can look, they can make this room look like it doesn't exist never comes up a second time. And I think it would have made for a cool fight just in midair, quote unquote. Yeah, for sure. At the very least, the visual of it would have been awesome. And yeah. and I mean, if you can find a way of um, having that room be, is sort of create the invisibility that sort of tricks the the villain, that would have been great too. I mean, obviously they did that with uh, the mirrors and stuff, but I mean, we've seen that sequence hundreds of times before in, in mm-hmm. many other movies. Uh, I <laughs> Let's say for, ex- for just a quick sec that instead of the Pearl hologram TV room being a private room, like what if it was meant to be kind of like a tourist attraction kind of thing and like... The, like at least at that point you could kind of make a case for all these little TVs popping up. I think that was and, the and what a mi- really yeah. I, I think he talks about it was like it. he's like this will be the tourist destination of the world. Yeah, I kind of got the impression that that was also meant. Ah, uh, okay. Think. I just watching. I was just watching the movie. Bad then. <laughs> it, those are the kind of details you can you can yeah. Well, what a missed opportunity then, because then, like, if the producers were smart, they could have filled every one of those TVs full of, like, advertisements. I mean, if it's if it's a tourist attraction, it could have, every one of those things could have been, like, the advertisements for KFC or, or, or <laughs> whatever, Chester's Chicken. <laughs> like, To be fair, people weren't allowed up there yet. That might have been the plan. Yeah. <laughs> that was what was on the other iPad. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that was my, my, like, it's a, it's a tight movie. It's nothing special. My big fix was like, I felt like I was promised a ball falling off a tower and I didn't get it. I don't, I don't mind that. I, I think for me, like the, the, the key thing, and I mentioned this in the first half was, um, developing the kids a little bit, giving them a bit more personality, uh, just so that, um, you know, there's a, there's a little bit, you know, add to the stakes a little bit more. I, uh, certainly the, the kid with asthma can be upstairs, and uh, not the kid that gets uh, rescued early on in the movie. Yeah, I think it's um, a big fix. But I also, yeah. I also think because they make a point of, um, the rock, um, you know, saying he, he has this thing that he does with his kids where he says, "Daddy loves who," and they all and they both say, "Me, me, me," and it was cute. Um, but I kind of wondered if, you know, if maybe if one of the, the kids had self-esteem issues or something like that where or or had some had some tension with a father so that like when the rock you know was trying to encourage his his kids there's you know you kind of get this sort of that there's sort of tension so like when you get to the when you get to the end sequence there's some kind of tension to resolve with the with the kid you know it could be as simple as the the kid is not happy about being in Hong Kong taken away from their friends or something like that and feeling like if Dwayne Johnson really loved them they wouldn't have taken him away from all their friends or something like that something like something really easy and simple to get across uh, so that when Dwayne Johnson towards the end you know is is making a uh, some sort of big sacrifice for his for his children then it kind of sort of resolves all that tension uh, that's that's fair though I, I like I, I think you are correct uh, 
in that statement, I think personally, I very rarely care about kids in movies. Um, but I think <laughs> as a as a broad movie fix to appeal to the, the 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 populace at large, you are correct. I personally would be fine hearing even less from them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I <laughs> they're glorified can... MacGuffins. <laughs> Yeah, I just think like it, it, I mean, it would just it, it, you know. I mean, they're not in my version. They aren't much. More, they're still more or less MacGuffins, but they. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just want some uh, extra, you know, to raise the stakes a little bit more uh, towards the end of the film. I just didn't feel like I like I. I think for me to feel like I really worried about the kids being in in jeopardy, you know, I had to I had to be able to get to know them a little bit more. And I think that's the failing because yeah. The Rock needs a motivation to go back in the building and just professionalism is not going to be good enough. <laughs> he needs to have a personal reason to go in and that means his family needs to be trapped inside. Oh, I, I'm not saying cut the family. I'm just saying we don't need their like, we don't need their wants and needs. <laughs> their their want is to get out of the fire and their need is to get out of the fire. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, like I, I like that Nev Campbell has stuff to do in this movie. I should um, actually be. I, I want to correct myself. Then sorry, the, I'm talking about the kids. Nev Campbell is awesome in this movie, and she has like I could always use more to do. But like the fact that she is a character with a background and like skills that come into play, I thought was made up for the fact that the kids were kind of do nothing, save us. Yeah. My only, the- my only beef with her skill set as it's presented is that they make a big deal out of the fact that she's a, like a Navy surgeon. And it never really comes like her her skill as a medic never come up. And I feel like that may have been useful when the rock was impaled on shrapnel and ran back into them. Like she should have patched him up. Or at least at least given him advice that he has to remember the same way she has to remember, you know, turn it off, turn it on again. Yeah, yeah, but like, about, like her uh, uh, her medical skills don't get used at all in the film, which is weird because they make a big deal out of it early on, and then she never actually like heals anybody. <laughs> yeah, and she's and she's in the building with a son who's got asthma, so like there's kind of an easy excuse for her to use those skills uh, even without the rock there. Yeah, yeah, I, you know what? My only. Uh, beef with the way they handled Nev Campbell is that um, she had to. It was like one of those action tropes I don't like, where the girl has to fight the girl. Yeah, mm. I kind of didn't care for that Fair. either. Yeah, I knew when it's they like that, introduced the, the, the lady one, villain, the one woman on the good guy side, and then the one woman on the bad guy side, and they have to fight, and it's just like I don't, I don't dig it. Yeah, yeah like okay. I knew when the. Uh, when the the lady bad guy got the iPad and Nev Campbell had left the building, I was like, oh, she's going to have to fight that lady bad guy to get the iPad. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I saw it coming a mile away, and I was a little disappointed by it. Yeah. Also, there's the the cop. I I get that it's like a safe place for her to hang out, but the the cops were... I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just... I laugh because there was one scene where they're in this... The the cop... um, like you know mobile mobile utility unit thing like on on the scene work site and it's got all this high-tech shit in it um and i don't know what specific looked like a screen maybe it was a projection but he's drawing with a dry erase marker on what appears to be like a high def <laughs> map of the city <laughs> oh no don't do that that's permanent marker oh yeah. <laughs> 
and I only noticed it because I, I went back and watched something I had I had missed because I was got distracted in my phone part way through. So I'm like, I should probably go make sure that like you know I don't be like they never explained why he has a hat and but like he went to the hat store, Liam. Weren't you paying attention? Um, so I went back to just make sure I didn't miss anything, and I noticed that part of it and couldn't stop laughing that he's just marking the shit out of this like 4K map of Hong Kong. My favorite bit about that is like at the beginning he's like he's like this is the pearl and he sort of circles the pearl it's like oh is it is yeah. that the biggest building on the planet do you need to point it out and circle it <laughs> on, on your map. computer screen <laughs> sticking out into a harbor <laughs> Yeah I think it's funny because like those it must have it must have taken all but a day to shoot those scenes because they were never anywhere but inside that that bus with all those TVs and yeah. then they go out and shoot one scene outside uh, in the in the quarry or whatever it is, and that's it. I didn't think they like those. I didn't think they really. It felt like they had needed more to do. Um, you know, it, it, most of their sequences were just like them watching TV, which really wasn't all that exciting. Kind of agree. Yeah, you know, not like the police officer in Die Hard at all. Yeah. <laughs> If anything, he, she, it's just Nev Campbell is the police officer in Die Hard, and yeah, yeah. he gives him some, gives her somewhere to work. Yeah, maybe there should be more business for the police to be involved in. Like they should be, we should be, maybe piecing together the plot earlier on with the police, like because we don't find out what the bad guys are really up to pretty much until The Rock does, and I think there might be a little bit of interesting dramatic tension there if we if the police piece together what's going on before we get to that point and we learn about it before the rock does. Yeah. A little dramatic irony. And it gives the cops a little bit more to do and it gives them a motivation to help the rock earlier on, uh, rather than like they're, they're not obstructionist. They're not stopping him. Uh, as soon as he gets back in the building, he's pretty much scot free, but they're not really helping either. They're just kind of like, what is even going on for most of the middle act? Whereas I think if they're a little more proactive, then they could be set up to be potentially helpful earlier on. Yeah, because they never pay off like the fact that he's wanted, like, like oh no, they've blamed it on him. And then by time anyone who would have a problem with like any any law enforcement would want to get the, the accused criminal, he has already proved himself as not you know having been set up. So like he's never being pursued by police; he's only ever pursued by fire and the bad guys. So having him be gets, wanted makes no sense. Yeah, as soon as he gets in the building, oh, yeah. the, the tension of the police being after him is done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess they chase him up the crane. Yeah, that's, that's basically it, their, yeah. their entire purpose is to, that's, you is know what, to I take create that, that tension yeah. with the crane. Yeah. That's, and know. then after that, the plot mostly just tries to figure out what to do with them after that point. And I think it would be, yeah, I, I agree. I think it would be more interesting if they're a little more proactive in Act 2 so that when Nev Campbell gets out of the building, they're in a position to better help. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, perhaps them, um, like we were saying earlier, where um, they're, you know, once the helicopter gets destroyed, that's actually the end of the bad guys' ride out of the building. Um, maybe um, the police can play a role in in the rescue effort, so that or you know, the bad guys, the, yeah, or or the, oh. or the, or that the the police are trying to are trying to find a way of safely getting them off, and the bad guys see that as their ticket out. Oh, yeah, I think um, we all and had then, that thought. Yeah, yeah. But you could also you could also play it at that point as a hostage negotiation because 
what happens in the initial incident. A hostage negotiation goes wrong. The Rock ends up trying to stare down a, a dad with a bomb, and everyone gets blown up. Mm-hmm. And so, and so now you're paying that off by having the police now stuck in a situation where the villains, their ride having been destroyed, take the few people who are left alive, leave leave a couple more people alive, um, hostage, including the kids. And now they're demanding, like, you need to get us a ride out of here. We need to get off this building or we're going to start throwing hostages off the building. And now you've got The Rock basically back in his greatest failure. He's in a a hostage negotiation going wrong and he's going to have to stare down a dude who's holding a kid hostage uh, in a no-win situation. And everybody's potentially going to blow up. It it's it sets that up better towards the end that he has yeah. to that he gets absolution for his greatest failure by reliving it but succeeding this time right yeah oh you missed yeah, an opportunity I, I like there that movie that was that was the thing to do with the police yeah I like that quite a bit I wonder do you think like in the in the earlier sequence um, like the, the the opening sequence where the hostage situation goes wrong. Um, if it's more clear that the rock has made some kind of mistake. Cause yeah, like the sequence goes that like the, the, the dad has uh, his own kid as a hostage and they tell the rock that they can take down the dad, but he tells them no. Right. And then the dad turns around and he's got an explosive vest and it explodes. And it just like, to me, it didn't really play off as, the rock making a bad call. Yeah. I, f- I feel like if it was a bit more of a, of an error on his part rather than like, cause I think, I think cause he talks later on in the movie about how, you know, he's worried he's missing something or he, you know, and, and I don't know. I feel, I feel like if he, if he suffered from a little bit more guilt from a more, from a more direct error, um, that maybe um, put people in in danger. I think uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, that would work a little bit better uh, when we get to the end of the movie. Well, and his uh, his bro at the beginning and Nev Campbell could both be telling him like he could be dwelling on that at one point early in the movie, and both of them could be like, "Dude, it wasn't your fault. Like it was a no win situation." But he could still blame himself for it. And it could I be think more that, clear they, that he does, they, right? they half-ass, like, really limp do it, but they, they kind of do that. Like, he literally yeah. says, it's not, bro, it's not your fault. Like, it was a, it was a guy with a bomb vest. What are you going to do? And he, you know, he says yeah, that. Maybe, maybe it just needs to be a little more clear that The Rock, like, blames himself. Even if it wasn't, like, uh, like necessarily a specific mistake he made. Like, yeah. he was in a no-win situation, but he... But he feels like he should have been able to Kirk the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this is this is the opportunity where he gets to do that because he's got a magic hologram room. <laughs> yeah. Second second chance in a hologram room will get do a lot for you. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've uh, covered uh, a lot of what, what this movie uh, could use as a fix, but I, I'm really uh, into the listener comments for this one. We had a lot of insightful comments. Uh, uh, comments uh made for us so thank you everyone for uh contributing to that and thank Uh, you for suggesting this movie in the first place yeah before we we totally get into that though i want to say i think we all agree this movie's pretty decent and if you haven't watched it it's maybe worth like checking out if for uh like a good popcorn flick i don't know that i I don't know that i go in so far as to say i'd recommend this movie (laughs) like but no i mean like as a breezy popcorn movie if you're looking for just some stupid action 
this one's not terrible. That's fair. Yeah. 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 If you're if you're uh, if you're bored and unsure what to watch, eh, pop it in. You might uh, you might have a good time with it. At the very least, it'll be decent background noise. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a very watchable film. Uh, but our listener comments, uh, thank you again for all that contributed. Uh, we're going to start off with Andrew Craig. Uh, Andrew Craig commented, As an amputee, the one thing I really appreciated about this movie was a hero who reflected my own situation. It meant a lot to me. It was the kind. Uh, it was kind of funny because there's no way a leg would stay on as well as his did, but it was still cool. I have a lot of love for this movie because of that. Yeah, we didn't actually mention at all prior to this point in the podcast that The Rock is missing a leg for this movie and that's because the movie doesn't make it a thing like does that make sense like it is a plot point a couple times that he's got one leg mm-hmm. it it both hinders and helps him on a couple occasions but like it's never commented on he's never talked down to about it like nobody is like calling him crippled or like anything less than a total badass throughout the course of the film and that is incredible like that is well played movie yeah i think yeah. i think you should note that like not even the villains do that i don't think anyone expects like side characters yeah. to <laughs> call them out but like even the no, villain no, doesn't yeah. use it as like leverage yeah i i uh i i think i appreciate that about the the movie that like the they they handle it you know uh, just right like it's it's just it's a part of who his character is it's not it's not an affliction, right? Yeah, uh, And it's and something that he's been living with for so long that he just, like, goes with it, right? Yeah. He is fully aware of his abilities with and without his prosthetic leg, and so it's not like he's learning to do stuff. Like, he's very comfortable with his body and with his situation in a way that just makes it just flow from his character whenever he does stuff. It's really interesting to watch, actually. Yeah, and I think, like, the, the tension that is sometimes created... Uh, mm-hmm. by his um, his prosthetic leg is um, pretty organic and natural. Yeah. I think I think it all uh, works really well. I mean, like nobody nobody really like no villain really takes advantage of his prosthetic prosthetic leg except the one guy that knows him well enough to do it. And I think that yeah. that was a really in- good choice as well. I am going to put this out there. Mm-hmm. Um, could this have been? an opportunity for the producers and the director of this film to have found an actor who was an amputee to play the rock's role. Like, could this have been a star turning opportunity for, for an actor who is an amputee who might not normally have gotten this opportunity? Uh, Yeah, I think absolutely that there's definitely that opportunity. And, and, you know, if, if, if you need to have the rock in your movie, he can always he can always be your villain. I mean, we've we've seen uh, we've seen the rock be a baddie before, like in Star yep. Trek Voyager. <laughs> He's a bad guy in that, right? Yeah. <laughs> or uh, or I guess the Mummy too. That's probably a more <laughs> a better example. But yeah, like he's like. We're not going to bring up the Doom movie, not once. <laughs> oh right, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm not supposed to die. <laughs> It's a pretty good rock impression, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> spot on, perfect. <laughs> um, 
yeah, like, I think that when it comes to Hollywood producers, like, like I, I get that you want to have a big A-lister in your movie in order to be able to sell it. Um, you know, I- investors always want a certain degree of, of certainty. And I understand that. But, like, at the, at the same time, like, I, I, I think it's, it's a limitation of your own creativity to be able to, to do it. Like, if you, you know, if you wanted to, you know, have, a, have, have an amputee, um, you know, star in the film, there's a, there's a way to do it and, is, and get your bankable star in there as well. It's just, you know, it just comes down to um, how badly you want to get it done. That's uh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to suggest that The Rock plays the character poorly or in a disrespectful manner. Andrew Craig certainly seems to feel like The Rock did a bang up job here, and I would agree. I'm just saying, is it a missed opportunity for an actor who is an amputee who normally wouldn't get even thought of to be the star of a big action set piece, who might have had this opportunity here and got passed over for? Uh, a fully bodied rock having a CGI prosthetic leg. Yeah, I think I think that is a, that is a true statement. Uh, as is also the idea that the fact that this action movie puts uh, a character with um, a prosthetic at front and center is a win in of itself as well. Yeah, they can yeah. They, certainly yeah. they can both be true. They can both be true. Yeah, yeah. Just interesting food for thought and. Mm-hmm. Something that that did come to me when I saw Andrew Craig's uh, uh, statement here. Yeah, uh, indeed. I, I, maybe you know. He's, I mean, Andrew seems uh, fairly fairly happy with The Rock's uh, representation. So I mean, that's good. I I, I wonder if you know maybe there's you know there's something exciting about seeing The Rock um portray someone who's who's in his situation you know like i i mean you can you can send us another comment andrew if you want to you know to you know uh, i'd be interested to know if you, what your thoughts are on whether uh whether you'd like to have seen um an amputee actor uh in that role yeah food for thought Co- the food conversation thought. always continues on the i have some notes social media feeds uh tack says, uh, make it an actual remake of The Towering Inferno with a bunch of well-known actors filling in the ensemble cast. Lose Sawyer's family and make him the guy constantly complaining about the lack of safety in the building's construction. His leg was lost in an accident. Not sure. Not, what, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying there. Uh, but keep Sawyer as the awesome SOB that jumps into the building to help rescue people. Also, the bad guy's plot is still going on, but it's only one of ten plot lines that are weaving in and out and they accidentally cause a cascade failure that traps them inside. I mean, that's a pretty solid take on it. Like I had also, I didn't bring this up in the, in the episode, partly because of tax comment and partly because I couldn't quite resolve it myself. Um, that this could have been a straight remake of the towering Inferno. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like that's quite what they're trying to do here. Uh, there's, there's a lot of diehard baked into this, and I, I feel like like there's a lot of homage to The Towering Inferno, but I don't know that this is meant to be a one-to-one remake of that movie, which is a straight disaster movie as opposed to like an action movie. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I, I haven't seen The Towering Inferno, but being somewhat familiar with it, like I know that there's a lot more death in The Towering Inferno, certainly a death of innocent people, right? So it's, it's a very different um, movie altogether. It's much more dramatic and less action-y. 
Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's <laughs> there's lots yeah, of action in tower, good point. Like in a, towering inferno. But you know, it's 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 almost a, it's. You're right, uh, Scott. It's a different genre. Yeah, I had really thought about that. Like as it compares to like, is I um I haven't seen Tower Inferno, but I saw we watched um Dante's Peak, and yeah, Dante's Peak, lots of uh um civilians and people unrelated to the disaster die. Where in this, it's like. No, well, the only people in danger were the Rock, his family, and the people who put themselves in the situation. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of like a feel-good disaster where all the all the good people make it. Yeah, and the fire only takes place in an empty part of the building. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The only man. The now only, that you point the only that out, I really people are victims are the trees. Now that you've pointed that out, I they, this movie really lost something for me. Now that I think about it, we're just like, oh yeah, man, it wasn't like nobody nobody died. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was fine. Death. fine. <laughs> Even that guy from Lethbridge who got parachuted out of the building. I mean, he could have made it. Yeah, yeah he had a parachute. <laughs> he did have yeah. a parachute. <laughs> he was tangled up in it, but you don't know what happened. It's a long way down. He yeah, could have figured out. A little, little Alberta out. shout out there. Uh, the <laughs> actor who plays the mustachioed henchman uh, is uh, an Alberta boy who does a lot of uh, stunt work primarily for... Uh, TV shows filmed in Canada, but uh, every now and then he shows up in a in a small speaking role as goon or or thug or henchman <laughs> or security guard. Um, but it's it's always good to see a, an Alberta actor getting work. Mm-hmm. Robin from Cinematological says the only way to improve this movie is if The Rock is shown doing a lot of cardio during his rehab to explain why he can climb a construction tower when he weighs roughly a ton. <laughs> uh, can clean delightfully silly setups and payoffs yeah. yeah we definitely agree with that it sets up the pins and then it bowls them over except for the ones that we established it does not <laughs> except for except for one or two yeah yeah that, that brings up a, an interesting point like it like uh, you know at, at one point is is <laughs> at what point are you too beefy to in a in a certain role like is he he's because he's kind of playing a a, a button-down uh, businessman by by the time he gets to uh to the building like does that does that strain anyone's uh suspension of disbelief or is it just like eh you know body type's a body type it didn't really strain my disbelief but i mean i had already bought into the idea that the rock was the lead in this movie and i just kind of accept that where the rock goes so too does his beefcake <laughs> I'm trying to parse this question. Uh, explain why he can climb a construction tower when he weighs roughly a ton. Like, I get that muscle is heavy, but also you have more muscles to lift the heavy muscles. So I feel like it would be a like it's like it's that question of like it's the square cube law, Liam. Yeah, it's the square cube law. <laughs> the the bigger you are, the more you weigh, the harder it is to pick yourself up. Yeah, but you have more muscle. Like, <laughs> anyway. It's why yeah, King but you Kong still you still have well. to have like good cardio to be able to like he's he is climbing an awful long ways up. Yeah, yeah. I, I realize this is probably the like ton of bricks, ton of feathers conversation that I'm not going to continue <laughs> to embarrass myself on. Uh, <laughs> uh, bringing it home, Nathan Martin. Of course, Nathan Martin comments. Uh, okay, this film has some fun, but it also has some flaws. I will admit that. But The Rock isn't one of them. We can all agree. I think we. Uh, yeah. Actually, there's not a bad actor here. The script, well, I can't really say it's perfect, but I'm sure you'll fix it. Yeah, no, the cast, admittedly, pretty solid from top to bottom. I can't think of anybody who's a weak link here. Yeah. You know what it seems like to me, that, and this just kind of reminded me of it, like, 
Um, Neff Campbell, Campbell's uh, an age-appropriate, uh, you know, uh, partner for The Rock, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's happening a lot more often in movies, and I kind of appreciate that. Um, I'm I'm kind of hoping like the days of like, you know, the the leading man having a leading lady that's like 20 years younger than them starts to yeah, disappear. Rugged 50 year old action hero with his buxom 20 year old wife. Yeah. I mean like it's really shitty for the expectations it sets for, for men or whatever. And it's also really shitty for uh, actresses, you know, who, you know, had previously like get shut out of roles just because they age out of it. And I, you know, it's ridiculous. So it's, it, you know, it's nice to see that that is changing somewhat, and I don't want to say that it's you know we're we've gotten there yet, but you know I've noticed that more and more um, as in the last uh, ten years or so. Yeah, I am a little disappointed that uh, in the scene where the Rock like body checks the uh, the insurance guy off the platform to save, like when he's reunited with Nev Campbell. Um, just considering where they're standing, they don't both turn and look at the camera and be like, "I've just saved you from this." catwalk <laughs> but you know it's uh you know, they can't you can't win them all <laughs> i'm whatever i'm pleased with that <laughs> <laughs> and i'm pleased with this episode i, I have nothing to add it was a 10 <laughs> out of 10 joke i appreciate I you so putting it out there for all of us it's so <laughs> delightful <laughs> uh broke the owner yeah <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, that uh, concludes uh, our uh, uh, episode for today and our last episode of the season. Uh, thank you, fellows, very much for uh, for doing this together. Yeah. We like just watching about movies and talking about movies and punching up movies. Indeed. Yeah, I, yeah, I will say, like, it's, it's a, you know, especially in the, in the COVID times, it's definitely uh, a nice break, you know, to just get on get on discord with a couple friends and just chat about movies for a while and just forget about, um, everything else that's going on in the world for a little bit. Forget so, yeah. about gestures wildly at everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> forget about, yes, all this. I want to kick our feet up and talk about a burning skyscraper, you know, something peaceful. Yeah. Comments. yeah something, <laughs> something, something so simple and elegant as a burning it, skyscraper. Well, the conversation will continue even if the episodes don't. Please follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, IHaveSomeNotes.com. That's a place on the internet. Uh, It has all our episodes on it, and you can go there. Or uh, wipe your phone with your fingers in a specific order to download a podcast app and subscribe to this show. Tell your friends about how the show makes movies better. Uh, Or just how it makes your podcast feed better. Yeah. Speaking of podcast feeds, you might want to put some more podcasts in there, especially while we're on break, though you should definitely come back and check out our podcast after the break is done. Uh, You can find some of those podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com, where you will find other movie podcasts such as Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine and Emily Missed Out, and they will possibly be continuing over the holiday season to fill the gap for you. Uh, They may even have some non-movie-related shows on albertapodcastnetwork.com. Who knows? You could right now by checking it out so do that thing (laughs) yeah and and again you know uh, stay safe out there um and we will uh, be back with you once again in uh in january so have a have a you know wonderful safe holiday season and uh and the happiest new year that is possible (laughs) during these times hopefully hopefully by the time this episode lands 
we'll know that it will be a happier new year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you you are you listener are in the future times, and you and you know if that if that bad man is <laughs> is still in charge as and being a bad man. <laughs> well, until next time, uh, I've been your host Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Wash your hands. Black Lives Matter, and keep watching that sky. This episode of I Have Some Notes is brought to you by Unbelts. Unbelts is an Edmonton-based business that makes the comfiest stretch belts around. Not just stretch belts, but Unbelts also makes cloth masks. You know, those things we've all had to go buy recently for reasons. You're going to need more of those. I know I've stocked up. Uh, And Unbelts is a great Edmonton-based business where you can procure not just masks locally, but they're great masks. Unbelts are designed by serious perfectionists. The masks follow the latest WHO guidelines, so they're ethically made right down to their components. Pete Townsend, he signed off on those, gave him the go-ahead. That's pretty cool for an Edmonton business to be working uh, so closely with Pete Townsend. But here we are. Uh, And most importantly, these masks are super comfortable, especially if you have to wear them all day long. These Unbelt masks, uh, what's really cool about them, they've got an elastic strap that goes around your head instead of your ears. Almost as if the people who made this mask also make belts. Could you could you take an unbelt belt and uh, replace the mask strap with the belt so that you could wrap it around a head that was as big as a waist? I don't know anyone who has that. I guess Modok from the Marvel comics. His head's as big as his waist. He'd have to. He could he could take an unbelt stretch belt and use it as the strap for his unbelt mask. I don't know if he'd wear a mask though. Do you think do you think Modok is pro mask or anti mask? Like, on one hand, he's smart, so he'd, like, you know, know to wear a mask. But on the other hand, he's a villain. I guess all the AIM henchmen have masks on, like, as part of their, uh, you know, uh, uh, mandated uh, attire to work at Advanced Idea Mechanic, and he's not wearing one. So, obviously, there's a, there's a mask mandate on AIM campus. He's not a... It's disappointing, I think we've discovered here with the help of Unbelts, that MODOK would be anti-mask. But you don't have to be, because you're not a material organism, mental organism designed only for killing you're a smart edmontonian and you want to keep your fellow edmontonians safe uh and so these unbelt masks uh they come in four grade sizes from preschooler to adult to extra large they've been featured in parents magazine l canada and even named one of the best businesses in edmonton you know who wasn't named one of the best businesses in edmonton aim advanced idea mechanics so I've headed over to unbelts.ca to take a look at what they have to offer, and I gotta say, I am very impressed. Really a great looking website. Uh, I'm very excited for these masks, and I am definitely gonna be picking some of these up for myself. I encourage you to do the same. Head to unbelts.ca to order your mask today. Shipping is always free. And, okay, usually this is part of the podcast thing where they're like, promo code, we got a promo code. You're gonna wanna use the discount code when you're on unbelts.ca. Promo code APN. That stands for Mental Organism Designed Only for Killing. Just kidding. It stands for Alberta Podcast Network. Use discount code APN. But also, if you're an Alberta teacher, click Teacher's Discount on their homepage for 20% off your entire order. Once again, that is unbelts.ca. <laughs> <laughs>